0: Today, my dear faithful, is the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. And the epistle for today's Mass is taken from St. Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter one. Brethren, I give thanks to my God always for you, for the grace of God that is given you in Christ Jesus, that in all things you are made rich in him, in all utterance and in all knowledge, as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that nothing is wanting to you in any grace, waiting for the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who also will confirm you unto the end without crime, in the day of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Gospel. (laughs) Taken from the Gospel of St. Matthew, Chapter 9. At that time, Jesus, entering into a boat, passed over the water and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him one sick of the palsy lying in a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the man sick of the palsy, Be of good heart, son, thy sins are forgiven thee. And behold, some of the scribes said within themselves, He blasphemeth. And Jesus, seeing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Which then is easier to say... Thy sins are forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then said he to the man sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thy house. And he arose, and went into his house. And the multitude, seeing it, feared, and glorified God, who had given such power to men. Thus far the words of today's holy gospel. Jesus, seeing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Words taken from the Gospel of today's Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Before Vatican II, my dear faithful, there were many Catholic missionaries throughout the world. Among them was a famous French Cardinal, Cardinal Vigerie. This Cardinal lived in the 19th century, and he was a man of tremendous energy and vision. In his early days as a priest, the then-Father Lovigiri was sent to the East to be the director of schools in various countries, and it was there that he was first introduced to the Muslim world. His untiring efforts for souls earned him great honors, and he was made a Bishop of the see of Nancy back in his homeland of France. After only four years back in France, Bishop Le Vigerie was appointed Archbishop of Algiers in northern Africa at his own personal request. In Algiers, he worked with tremendous energy for the good of souls, traveling throughout his enormous diocese, even founding a new congregation to convert Muslims. He would, on occasion, return to France for what he referred to as his vacations, but were really begging tours where he hoped to obtain donations for his his diocese. On one such visit, he was going to his old diocese of Nancy. And by this time, he had been made a cardinal though he did not always dress the part. And in fact, due to his long labors as a missionary in Africa, he was almost unrecognizable. And so the cardinal went to the train station, but he had to wait some time for his train to arrive. While he was waiting, a layman approached him and said, You are a missionary, I presume. May I ask where you come from? I come from Algiers, Cardinal Le Vigerie replied. Oh, the layman said, then you probably know our former bishop, Cardinal Le Vigerie. So the Cardinal probably smiled to himself and he answered, I know him very well indeed. How does the man act now? the layman asked. Is he as strange as ever? Without hesitation, the Cardinal readily answered, Since he has been exposed to the hot sun of Africa, he is worse than ever. The layman chuckled at that, and then he began to tell all sorts of insulting gossip about the bishop, the man sitting before him. In the middle of the conversation, the train arrived, and so the cardinal and his critic entered, and they sat next to each other. All the time they were together, the man did nothing but continue to insult his former bishop. Finally, the train pulled up to the city of Nancy, and the Cardinal stood up to depart. Before leaving, though, he took out his card and handed it to the man, saying, Some of the things you have said are indeed true, but the greater part are false. You can imagine the man's shock and his shame when he looked down and he saw the name Cardinal La Vigerie on that card and realized he had been insulting the Cardinal to his face. I wonder, my dear faithful, if the Pharisees in today's Gospel felt anything of that shame. For months, the Pharisees had tried to find some accusation against our Lord. Throughout this time, they had witnessed countless miracles and had heard many profound lessons from the divine teacher, but they ignored all of these. They listened and they watched only for what they could claim is sin, and to all the rest, they were deaf and blind, including in today's gospel. A paralyzed man was brought before the Savior, and our Lord told the man, Thy sins are forgiven thee. The thought blasphemy raced through the minds of the Pharisees. Only God can forgive sins. Raging within themselves, the Pharisees felt so vindicated. After all this time of failure to find something wrong, here was their chance. And so each began to plot of how best to use this against Christ. However, hardly had the Pharisees begun planning than our Lord turned to them and asked, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Then, with a word of command, the paralyzed man rose from his bed, healed. The Pharisees understood what our Lord showed them. How could a sinner perform such a miracle? This was another proof that our Lord came from God after so many others just like it. And yet the Pharisees, they tried again to judge Christ as evil. That, my dear faithful, is the sin of rash judgment. And both the Pharisees in today's gospel and the laymen from the story were guilty of this. You see, rash judgment is the condemning another as guilty without sufficient evidence, evidence that they did evil. The Pharisees had so much proof that Jesus Christ was holy, and yet they rashly and unreasonably leapt to condemn him of sin. Why think you evil in your hearts? our Lord asked them, as if to say, why do you so rashly judge me? Have I not proven myself time and again to you, yet you still judge me? The layman and the story did the same, as he readily believed every insulting story he had heard about the cardinal. To make matters worse, he readily passed on these stories to others without knowing if they were true or not. Thus the man rash judged Cardinal Lovigiri, and he slandered the cardinal's reputation by spreading these same stories. It is true, though, that many rash judgments occur only in a person's own mind. They may jump to judge, but don't necessarily act upon it, speaking about it to others. However, notice our Lord's words to the Pharisees. Why think you evil in your hearts? A rash judgment that remains only in the mind is still a sin an evil because it causes two injuries. First, God himself is injured, for God alone is the judge of all mankind. Who art thou that judges thy neighbor? The Holy Ghost reveals in the Old Testament. There is one lawgiver and judge that is able to destroy and to deliver. In this quote, and in many others like it, God forbade us from judging our neighbor unless we have lawful authority. When we judge rashly, we are taking God's place to condemn. We thus commit our own injustice against God himself and even call God's punishment upon ourselves. Judge not And you shall not be judged, our Lord has revealed. And in another place, with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. In other words, how strictly you condemn another person is how strictly God Himself will weigh your sins at the last judgment. How easy it is to condemn another, while at the same time excusing ourselves for even the very same actions. And the reason this is so is because we know our own circumstances better. We know what actually happened, what we were actually doing, and our intention in doing it. This gives us a lot of room to at least try to excuse ourselves, whether or not it is a valid excuse. For our neighbor, though, we do not know these things. We don't know all the circumstances, most especially the person's intention in doing whatever it is that we are tempted to judge. Thus, our neighbor is the second person we injure by a rash judgment. Every person has a right to his good name. This means he has a right to our good opinion of him, unless he does something that is manifestly evil. When we rash judge, however, we deny him this right. Without a hearing or a trial, without having sufficient proof of wrongdoing, without knowing his true motives or reasons for his actions, we condemn him. And how often, how easily emotions blind us, preventing any chance of a fair judgment. The true Christian, the good Catholic, my dear faithful, strives to make excuse for our neighbor whenever there is a possibility for it. Both justice and charity demand not only that you keep from judging the actions of others or what you see as their faults or failings, but also that you interpret their actions in the best possible light. According to Theodore of Cyrus, Charity thinketh no evil, that is, it excuses those who err, considering that they did not act with a bad intention. St. Bernard gave this counsel excuse the intention if you cannot excuse the deed, and attribute it to ignorance, haste, or chance. Making excuse for your neighbor is the best way to avoid rash judgment. By excusing him, we also follow so closely after our Lord. Our Savior, as he hung upon the cross, bleeding and dying, tortured and condemned by his own creatures, he still made excuses for them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As our Lord gave us this example, let us too then excuse our neighbor. If you hear someone has done something wrong, then make an excuse that maybe you don't know all the facts. Maybe he did nothing wrong at all. If, however, the action is manifestly evil, then strive to excuse the intention. You don't know what that person was thinking, what he really intended. You don't know, and so do not judge. If you give in to this rash judgment, though, our Lord will ask you one day, at your last judgment, Why do you think evil in your heart? As if to say, How dare you try to take my place as judge? As you have judged him, so I will judge you. Make excuse for your neighbor then, my dear faithful, and pray for him. That is what a true follower of Christ will do. And in this way, you will earn such blessing from God for your charity. Our Lord's words, with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, are not just a warning of justice to be met out to you. They are a promise of mercy if you are merciful. Excuse your neighbor, my dear faithful. Pray for them. Have mercy on them, and God will have mercy upon you. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.